The following presentation is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that it will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. Jesus said to him, 
the one who has bathed does not need to wash except to be clean, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew he was to be saved. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment and resumed his first place, he said to them, Do you understand that I have come? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed indeed if you do them. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have said, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this day. I thank you for your example. Please to us. I thank you for your spirit's inspiration of these words. I pray now, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will be our teacher through these words in Jesus' name. So we're beginning our series sort of in the middle of the book, so it's probably pretty important that we get a bit of context to what's been spoken about here. As I said earlier, John chapters 1 through to 12 was public ministry of Jesus. You might say that the context immediately before our passage here at the start of John 13 is seen in John chapter 12. Towards the end of his public ministry, Jesus makes some statements, some statements that shift focus to those around him in particular. In verse 23 there of chapter 12, Jesus says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. In some other verses you might be familiar with, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor Jesus is really changing the focus to the cross. The place where he will die as his son for the payment of sin 
all people back in the So he's moved out of the public eye now. In chapter 30 to 17, he's a when you think about it, the size of the book, it's a lot of space dedicated to Jesus' special time with his disciples. And all that he's said here, all that he's done here in these chapters, anticipates the cross where Jesus is coming. John chapter 12, Jesus turns the focus towards the cross. In chapter 13 to 7, he prepares his disciples for it. And in chapters 18 and 20, Jesus goes to heaven. Through these chapters, he gives a lot of lessons. The first lesson he gives to his disciples is that this is one. The scene is set for us in verses 1 to 5. So he says, It's before the Passover. The evening before Israel will prepare to celebrate the Passover meal. And Jesus is there reclining at a table with his disciples. Now, if you, if you want to get in the zone and try to picture what this would look like, you might have to lock off the legs of your dining room table at home. He wasn't a tall table where you sit at with your, a chair there, but the table is low to the ground. And so they would recline with their, their heads towards the table and their feet hanging out the back, away from the table. And as they do it, they're sharing a supper together, a meal together. And verse 1 tells us that Jesus uses this opportunity, this meal, as a way of showing love to his disciples. Verse 1 says, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So this foot washing that Jesus does was an act of humility and love to his disciples. An act that anticipates the cross, the most humiliating act that Jesus will go through, the most loving act. Foot washing is not traditionally an action, but a pure ritual for a tear. The disciples didn't offer to wash one another's feet, it was below them, you might say. But if it's not the action of a tear to another tear, it is certainly not an action for a master to do for a servant. The disciples would have surely been embarrassed when Jesus takes off his outer garment, pours water, and begins to wash their feet. Imagine yourself in the room for a moment. Close your eyes if you're in the house and imagine the sound you would hear. The sound of water. The sound of a cow rubbing on rough colored feet. You might even notice 
Jesus breathing. As he came to him, and he walked with him. So that he could say, I am No doubt the room would have been quiet enough to hear every sound that the Savior was making in that room. Just imagine the point. What about the past? Imagine what you are seeing here. It's a loving attitude. It's one who will die for the world, the truth of the world. The master of the universe takes off garments of honor and wraps around his waist. He is seeing Jesus kneeling at the feet of his disciples. He is seeing him their feet in his hands. Such a moment to imagine yourself in that room. You wash my feet? Typical Peter, isn't it? He had to go and spoil the moment, didn't he? But no doubt he was just saying what everyone else in the room was saying or what they were thinking. And Peter's objection has a real sense of indignation about it. Something that we've seen before in Matthew 16 and 22. And sure enough, as we get to verse 8, there we have the rebuke of Peter that we might expect. Peter says to him, You shall never wash my feet. Look at how Jesus responds to Peter's rebuke. He says, if I do not wash you, you have no care to me. No care with me. Peter had been sharing three years with Jesus. He had shared Jesus' lifestyle. The lifestyle of the Son of Man not having a place to lay his head. He had shared the miracles. He'd even been involved in collecting. That's just, this is true. Really? Unless you watch me, I have no share in you. What does Jesus mean by this? Well, his response suggests that there's more going on here than just washing the dusty feet as their social etiquette of the time. The only way to experience communion with Jesus, true communion, that close, loving relationship with Jesus, is to let him wash you. It's not a, 
a physical or, or ritual act like Peter would suppose when he talks about, well, oh, Jesus, wash my hands in my head as well. No, there's a, there's a spiritual aspect to this. See, the custom of foot washing is part of hospitality of the day. It's presupposed that guests at a meal would, would bathe, would wash themselves before coming to the, uh, the host's house. So when they get there after traveling the dusty streets of the city, their feet would be dusty and dirty. So a servant would wash their feet and they'd be completely clean. In Jesus' words, if you bathe, we only need to wash your feet and you'll be physically clean. So Jesus it's not just that practical, physical thing. There's a spiritual element here. That's where he's going with it all. To try as we may, there is nothing that we can do in order to save ourselves and bring us into relationship with Jesus. It is only His humble act, His death on the cross, that can wash us clean from our sins. Have you been washed by the cancer? Or are you trying instead to clean your own life up? To wash yourself? Before we move on from this point, let's consider for a moment the fact that Jesus knew exactly who speaks he was watching that night. There was Judas Iscariot, the betrayer. Peter, that impulsive rooster, the demon. In fact, every pair of feet that Jesus washed that night would run away from him in his hour of greatest need. They were deserted, every one of them. Yet Jesus was every one of them. There is no room, no one whom Jesus cannot watch and make clean for. In fact, Jesus. But there is more than just washing the days of the Jews. Jesus doesn't just wash his disciples' feet and then say, Look, eat and be merry, enjoy yourself. No. He says, I have served you, now go and serve. Look at verse 15 with me. Jesus says, I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Now, foot washing is often used by some Christian leaders often to, as a symbol, as a sign of servant leadership. And they might physically, I don't know how you are with people touching your feet, but they might physically get a bowl, kneel down, and wash your feet. And that's great. Don't look at me and say, well, this is something that Jesus command for all of his disciples. Jesus leaves no room for any of us to recline at the table 
and allow our brothers and sisters in Christ to serve us. The only time it's okay for us to apply and allow someone to do all the work for us is in the context of Jesus. When Jesus goes to the cross and goes about the grubby work of salvation, that's the only time when we can recline and allow someone else to serve us. The church is not a place where you come to be made comfortable. It's not a community that exists simply to serve our needs. It's a community where loving service takes place by all in the community, all of the body. To not serve is to put ourselves above our brothers and sisters. To not serve is to put ourselves above Everyone can serve. I've seen examples of it happening. If you can pray, you can serve. If you can cook, you can serve. You can mow, you can serve. Cleaning, caring, teaching, listening, welcoming, spending time with people, singing, playing, leading, speaking, it's all service. If you can administrate, facilitate, set up, pack up, lock up, you can serve the friends. You can't just put your feet up. Those who know Jesus follow Jesus. All who share with Jesus, those whom he has made clean and have a relationship with him. Follow his example of loving service to one another. No one is unworthy of our service. Look at the word no there in verse 17 and look how it relates to Jesus' knowledge in verses 1 through 11. Jesus knew that the time for expressing the full extent of God's love had come. So he said, He was compelled to serve because of this time. And his love was not just words, his love was evidence. Rose. 
instruction of the disciples to Jesus to reveal the way to God. Before him at Bethany's resurrection, Jesus was in full knowledge of all these things. Because he showed us what to do. He shows us what the God of the universe is really like. He's a God who is in control, folks. A God of humility. A God who is teaching. Powerful, loving, and maybe like Peter, those things don't fit into your understanding of God. Can you think God fits them? Maybe you think that's not the right way for God to act. Maybe you ascribe some of some of these attributes. But possibly that's different to how you experience things in your own life. You can imagine him being loving, powerful, and in control. But how does he choose what he wants to be in his own life? How can God be? Jesus knew exactly what was going on in this moment. He knew what was going on above ground and below. He knew what was going on on the surface for people, but also in their hearts. Jesus already knew the pain of the child. He knew he would betray him, yet he served that man. So knowing that this is behind Jesus' intentional act of loving service, we are blessed if we do like that. We serve our brothers and sisters irrespective of their attitudes towards us. And irrespective of any bad blood that has been between us in the past. Friends, a difference of opinion is no reason for not serving one another. A harsh word is no reason for not serving one another. A broken promise is no reason for not serving one another. And betrayal is no reason for not serving. There's got to be some bad blood in this place. There's got to be some history in our lives. 
do something else to people you consider. The child denies and deserves it. happened in the past. I now have an excuse. I'm not going to And even the potential to betray denial and deserves it is not Jesus served us and made us clean, even though we had run out on him. So we should serve by our fellow believers, even though we could see that they were run out. The reaction of the disciples, Father, we see ourselves in those reactions, in those men. Lord, we are a people who have all betrayed in some way, denied in some way, deserted in some way. Yet, Lord Jesus, knowing this, you lovingly said it. Knowing who we are, you washed us clean. Father, I pray that through the power and presence of your Spirit in us, that those of us who have received you, your Spirit, that you would make us a family. Thanks for joining us for this presentation from North Pine Baptist Church. 
For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.